Welcome to Mosaics Made of Metaphors. Hop on board and embrace the magical journey ahead. I Sneha will be your tour guide to help unveil the unique maps of the beautiful minds appearing in the show. So what enchantments coming up our way? I hope you stay tuned or else the spells might wear off. I go out into life each day. I do my masks and I play. Choose of me from the ones you like. I'm an actor. My worlds rarely collide. This poem is taken from the book Mendering Through Time, written by the guest of today's episode. It's a beautiful Sunday morning and we have Rajesh Kumar on the show. Welcome Rajesh. Hi Sneha. Uh, it is a Sunday morning and thankfully uh, it's quite silent around here. But Sneha, I'm having my tea so you don't mind, right? Uh, I obviously don't. Thank you, thank you. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Fine, fine, fine. Let's go ahead. Thank you for the show. Thank you for inviting me over. Um, uh, I was really looking forward to it. We have been planning it for quite some time. So let's dig right in. So if you want to dig right in, I would, I would want to start with one of your poems. Oh, you want me to read a poem of mine? Yes, yes. Okay. Um, do you have a preference? Or you want to, I can read any poem that I, I like types. I would prefer the poem that you read in the uh, meet that we had in our club. The ocean and I don't remember the title but I remember the... Ah, okay, okay. So let me just open that for you. Um, so in 2019, I had published a book and uh, there are a lot of poems which I like, which is in this book. But the one that you're saying is something that uh, was more recent. Um, so let me just pick it out from my blog. I think you're talking about, I think you remembered you don't fall in love with the sea. So I'll read that one for you. It's not been read before in any forum. Um, so I'll give you a quick background uh, about this blog. So when two people who are close in a relationship for many years, when they start drifting apart, uh, sometimes you really don't have any reason why these driftings happen. But but in your in a mind and you, you experience that drifting very slowly and then over a period of time a vastness and a vast separation comes into being. So I have tried to capture this this poem. Uh, let me read that for you. Uh, the poem is titled You Don't Fall in Love with the Sea. It was her idea to visit the seashore. She rarely asks anything of at the break of dawn, we were near the jetty. Not many people around at this time. I looked at her closely as she looked at the waves splashing on the wooden decks. There was smell of dead and drying fish, and barnacles and burnt diesel from the boats. I looked at her for a long while, expecting that she would say something to bridge the divide. Nothing. An hour later, when the crowd of morning walkers started increasing, I asked her, Shall we go? A nod from her, and we were back on the road. 
As I dropped her home, I looked at the house, the street, the gate with the post box, and the hedges and the weeds once more. I knew that if there is a next time, it will be a long time later. You don't fall in love with the sea. There's nothing from these shores that can fill her longings for the oceans. Thank you. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Glad you liked it. So that was uh, mine titled, You Don't Fall in Love with the Sea. So what are your thoughts about it? So as I explained uh, earlier, um, a, a large part of my body of uh, written uh, literature is about relationships and love. I also write about social issues and uh, things, but in my mind, I segment those writings into um, larger prose, uh, mostly into articles. Uh, but my poems predominantly is about love and loss and uh, separation and such. So this is one of them, and I've always felt that you know sometimes relationships just come apart without you know having any you know it need not have very clear reasons and the only way which, which would i could describe in this poem uh, is when you know it's filled with silences and there, there's no there's no communication to bridge the divide because the silences are so vast and the separation is so certain that there's no point talking about it. So you still enjoy the last moments, you remember the last memory, you create a last memory of it and then you move on. And sometimes as I concluded in the poem, uh, it's also because uh, relationships can be very restrictive. Mm, so if you're a lake, you someday want to run into a river. If you're a river, you would want to someday run into the sea. If you're a sea, you want to merge with the ocean. And sometimes a relationship has to go, you know, has to break apart so that uh, the sea can eventually go ahead and merge with the ocean. So that's how I saw that. interesting analogy I basically wanted to ask you this uh, you've been writing since well, uh, in your book you uh, the compilation is from 1997 to 2019 do you notice any change in the style of your writing through the years I have asked my this question to myself a lot of times mm. I think if you were to read a early 90s poem of mine and a current poem, you would still recognize that it's me who wrote it. Um, however, a couple of things that come into play is um, I think the over the years I possibly have tried to write express the same things with lesser number of words obviously my metaphors and imageries have diversified 
um, I think I have also I, I it's a lot a lot more visible to me now in terms of the things that I write about um, to express my feelings um, so it can be the sea it can be the railroad it can be the countryside it can be an angry river uh, it can so there is a lot of nature driven uh, similes and metaphors that i now see is a part of my body of literature um, and of course the language um, is also sometimes i think the language while it's easier it also refers to a lot of um, complex concepts like sometimes it's about quantum physics sometimes it's about time itself sometimes it's about multiverses and i think that happens because these are the things that came you know into our minds in the last 10 12 years of so there's a lot more discussion on these a lot more things are being told a lot more content is available around the net so you get to read a lot more about these and then they come back into your poems and writings so broadly yes i'm the same guy but i think the language would have changed slightly the content would have have more or diver- diversified it's what i'm trying to say but usually like um art in general uh, basically people expect uh, drastic improvements through the years but there is that in your writing there is that signature style like you could recognize even when you read like two lines of the poem that it is yours so what do you say about that like do you think there should be a drastic uh, change in the way you write or uh, i i think because in even in my poems i don't uh, have any drastic change in the way i write it's usually the same so what do you say about that that's an interesting question sneha and i'm definitely going to ask you to read one of yours after i have responded to this question so be ready okay uh and i will ask you to read something that you wrote many years ago and something that you wrote more recently i would love to hear that but let me answer that question of yours a change in the poem can be of several types first is the language itself okay so the language uh, as you acquire a larger vocabulary over the years the language the words that you use the language that you use will change as you acquire greater experiences in life uh, the imagery and metaphors as i said earlier will change um, what you write about if your life's experiences have been drastic and life then there is a very high probability and and how your mind sees that you know some sometimes a mind goes through fundamental transformation because of certain adverse set of uh, experiences so how your mind sees that and reacts to that might change your writing forever um so th- these are true but in my in my apology uh, let me tell you that i am 47 years old i started writing maybe at 10 or 11 uh and my writings had stabilized stabilized fairly stabilized by you know early 90s by 16 when i was you know all of 16 or 20 after that it was and i have not had any fundamental transformational life changing experiences my mind doesn't 
work uh, that way i always take a step back and look at things that are happening from an observer's point and then a lot of times even though i'm in midst of a lot of challenges mm, i still have that observer's hat and saying ah so that's how it is happening good so what happens it it keeps me immune from mm, a lot of mind changing uh, trauma or experiences or such like that so there's a stability in how i write but of course the content might have changed a bit as we spoke earlier and that's the reason and also i, I was a student in english literature so uh, the language was fairly uh, and you know I, the schooling was also in english medium schools so the language was always with me i didn't have to struggle with the language Uh, at times that struggle with the language in terms of how the words can be put together to best best express your meaning uh, or your emotions that can feel like a you know a transformational set of activity like a kid writing english in a language which is alien to her vis-a-vis you know the kid growing up and you know over 20 25 years of journey with english with language you the language stabilizes you know it it lends itself to craft but for me luckily uh, the language always was with me uh, by the time you started i mean you started reading my earliest published publicly available poems the language is also with me uh, thanks to that i think you won't see too much of a change i hope i have answered your question yes Now I want to listen to one of your earliest poems, and then a question, and then your latest poem. And the meanwhile, what I will do is I'll just take out something from Neruda. I don't know why I want read a Neruda today sometime later. Um, are you aware of Neruda? Okay, he was an outstanding. Uh, I won't say modern day, but contemporary poet. He passed away quite years ago. Using from the twentieth century, so we'll read some of that also later. Yeah, yeah. This one I wrote when I was sixteen or seventeen, so not very early, but that is when I started my poetry. So this is my very first poem. It's called a frosty mind. A frosty or a flossy. Frosty mind. Oh, frosty mind. Yeah. Okay. I had often shed silent tears because you seemed so crystal clear, and my mysterious persona was something to fear. But I could never overcome my mind's barriers. I think the world was too shallow for making me look like I'm so hollow. Told me it's you I had to follow, and it was my pride I had to swallow. I know that I get lost in my deep sea, but that is where I am truly free. And I wouldn't mind if you were just as curious to see, just in the quest of self-discovery. <laughs> so now I know that my depths won't come to you, and here is my answer to the world and a curious you: that clearing this frost to get the view is completely your thing to do. That might be a very difficult relationship you went through, Sneha. Through any relationships. 
Okay, so what's the background of that? Um, I honestly still can't understand why I wrote that. But I think it's basically the feeling that I felt I was a very different person than what uh, the usual crowd is. Okay. Yeah, I get it now. Okay. Okay. So I and it's also that I get lost in my deep sea. That is basically just you know me getting lost in my thoughts. Okay. Okay. And who is the you you are referring to? The world in general, or the people who? populate your life you is actually uh, anybody who's like you know in the world's eyes is perfect okay and you believe that because you are a little different you think differently you are not perfect is that when you're writing this poem you believe something like that or you had this fear yeah something like that It's amazing. So now you see how poetry is also a a memoir, you know, uh, a keeper of history in its own way. So from the time in which you wrote, um, whatever many years ago, you know who you were when you wrote this, and it, it's a point in time which you have recorded in a very abstract manner. But you would know that, and when I read it, I would also know that. So I think that's one of the things that uh, good art can do. It can be a, a gatekeeper to history. It can be a index or a bookmark to a time in your life, which you might want to revisit later. I'm really happy you could read that and explain a, that poem. It's really nice. I think uh, I think you should read that more often. Sometimes in our shows, I would want to hear it again. <laughs> thank you but i i just it this piece just really confuses me i don't know how it came out of my head because it's my very first poem is it it's your first poem think so the first poem that i remember that i wrote okay it's very formidable it's very formidable uh, it it has a child like not childish child like aggression to it in terms of this is who i am deal with it but it also has this level of self awareness and self confidence that it's up to you to figure out if you want to work with me but this is how i work with myself so it's a very good uh, a good start of a great journey i hope yeah really good i liked it Thank you. I mean, I wasn't expecting to read uh, one of my poems in my own podcast because I was—it it should be all about the poet that I'm interviewing, not about me. But... Oh no, no, it, it's about poems as well. So let's do that. Yeah, go ahead. So, what's the next question? Then I'll ask you to read something which you wrote very recently, a little later, maybe after a couple of questions. Is that okay? Yeah, very recently I wrote one yesterday or day before that day before yesterday but I don't know why I wrote that it's uh, I usually get confused when I write my own poems and it's like I wrote this so do you ever feel like that do you feel like okay how did this come out of my head good i think um 
over the years you will get a lot more clarity into what the muse does to you and how much it owns you because uh, typically uh, a poet who writes from a emotional uh, vantage point uh, of you uh, you know not from so that predominantly two or three types of poetic thought one that is constructed in the mind and the one that comes through the heart but is channelized through the mind so that the language is clear and all so a lot of times the ones that comes from a emotional point of view uh, has the emotions as a source um they play in your mind for a long time and suddenly they just take like like they just come out into a couple of lines or words something and and you're like oh oh matlab is this something that i created i mean did i write it i have felt that uh, but over the years i have realized that as you process life's experiences all these things are getting indexed and sitting in a library which is accessible to your muse and when you need to make sense of life in a manner in which only a poet can those lines would jump out little by little sometimes all at once and and it will get written the only thing we do later is refine it so that it it sounds better for an audience um so that is quite normal uh, that the words without your concurrence active concurrence without your conscious effort would still find a way to escape from you and take a life of its own so you should allow them uh, i should celebrate them and you should thank them for ensuring that you are just the instrument or the tool for those words to come out and not necessarily the the source or the creator so that's how poetry is okay do you recognize a poet by the way they just talk in general because you know the way the words that certain people use are just like so fascinating that they they use things like you know you've used library and you know you know just giving us a mental picture as to what exactly you're saying very articulate so can you like recognize a poet by just the way they talk so i told you earlier that there are different kinds of poets so there's a poetic thought that can come um, in many ways visualization so i i my writings are very visual uh, it means their canvas will be very large um, it will be visual Uh, in several different dimensions like external visualization you'll have forest and trees and river and all internally also the strife the struggle the longing the passion all that will be visualized but not necessarily every poet would be so visual their poetry might be different their poetry might be uh, mental their poetry might use a different set of methodologies to express the same thing but broadly a, a good poet uh, when he or she speaks you would have an idea that that there is a universe in there which from which the poet draws a set of uh, concrete words to express what he or she wants to express so it can jump from anywhere to anywhere like just like uh, right now as you said ordinary people would not 
think of you know indexing categorizing available to the muse rehashing and all uh, because that's not how their minds work so yes uh, somebody who is capable of writing poetry you would know them when they start opening them out because there'll be some bit of eloquence there'll be some brilliance in terms of the images that they bring and the world that they show through the words will be a bigger world you know brings a larger it's like a universe in a couple of words but whether they actually write it or not whether they bring it to their poetry or whether they even write it or not is something that's not always a guarantee you know it, sometimes eloquent and brilliant people are not poets they might have their creativity in something else so it's not a guarantee so uh, who's your favorite poet sneha do you read poetry um, generally i do but not a lot so i it's very hard to find poetry these days i mean i i couldn't i i went to a book exhibition and i looked for actively looked for poetry but i couldn't find anything i just found like a collection of william shakespeare's poems there is a challenge there is a challenge with accessing good poetry today because uh, poetry books are not best sellers okay so they don't so sell in millions so even if you go to an airport at best you can find a neruda at best and um, then in you might get fez or fez or something like that because most of the joints where you know books are sold today are corporatized and they belong to very big brands so they display only books that get sold because of the cost of display and poetry is a very close circle not everybody reads poetry and because of that access to books is limited and because access to poetry books is limited in you know popular channels uh, where distribution generally gets done and retail gets done you have less a number of people picking up those books so it's a loose loose situation you know loose either way so i can understand what you're saying i hope some day it will change okay uh you have poets who put their work out to the world and there are poets who just keep it to themselves so uh what's the thought process behind it i think it's fairly simple uh but luckily there have been uh poets who kept their works to themselves and after their death uh their works were discovered and thankfully it was published and we have access to that and i am absolutely sure that there are thousands of poets whose works would never ever come into public domain and the reason is uh, predominantly about their personalities um whether they are an introvert or an extrovert so uh, a typical uh, there's a very high probability that most poets prefer introversion to extroversion and if they are introverts and there's always this fear of public scrutiny and discomfort of being available in public so uh, luckily new age uh, technology including social media blogs and all they provide us with uh, a level of anonymity which is fairly certain it means that i can 
put up my poems under a name which nobody can recognize as mine and I can publish it and have a set of followers or people reading those. Um, but even then, there, there's people who would prefer to write and share it with a close group of like-minded friends. So like in Fin City Poetry Club that uh, both of us are a part of, there are like 100, 110 uh, active poets out of the 1500 plus active members. I mean, not active members. But uh, I think around they around 30-35 people would have a blog and less than six or seven people would have published uh, in a physical form so and but all the others are poets phenomenal poets they don't even publish their uh, have their blogs because they are a lot more comfortable sharing with among us uh, because that's their sacred space that's a safe space and they like doing it with us and they don't like doing it outside so yes it's a loss for the world but hey uh, you know there is this group among which they share so i think it helps them uh, be happy so it's just introvertness and extrovertness i primarily see myself as an introvert but for some reason i don't shy away from posting my poetry out there so uh it's, it's a little confusing thought actually basically i mean i i would want to say it but i want to say it in a cryptic way like you know only people who get it will get it otherwise you know if you don't get poetry you won't get it so something like that so i mean anybody can do that right so put it out there but don't really only reach out to a certain people so you said two things one is uh the fear of hanging stuff out there in the public that is one second is the innate need that if you hang it out it has to be cryptic so that it doesn't reflect you directly so that they don't judge now these are very existential uh, and very let's say real fears uh, but uh, I would always recommend uh, that you Try to test the limits of your your uncomfortable. Uh, uh, let me say, it, you always try to test the limits of your fears and try to overcome them. Because, uh, like you're doing this podcast, uh, similarly, when you publish it or have a blog or whichever medium that you use, or a podcast, audio poems, or whatever it reaches out to people who are fairly like-minded and they can add a lot of value to your art over the years because and they are like the birds of a feather flocking together so i would strongly recommend i am myself somebody who is very averse to public scrutiny uh, i have very limited social media presence in fact none just have my blog and i uh, have my group of twin city poetry club poets <clears throat> but i'm happy I, I could at least get to that level otherwise i would have <laughs> you would have never known me so yeah so that's why you should try to break those shackles over time so are you going to read your late, are you going to read one of your latest poems uh this one is a little like uh 
I don't know uh, content warning I guess Ah it's okay I don't think matlab uh, you can say parental guidance of 16 plus or 18 plus how does that go It's nothing like you know a child shouldn't read or something but I mean a child wouldn't get it Yeah So this one is called photograph Two dimensions seem like they held your life It was just but one moment Lamp light up your youthful face contrasting now with the one that is worn out by the rat race Shadows the frame cast on the ground like the lurking age creeping on you now one more phase to make it to the finish line that one phase contemplate death looks just fine the photograph was your identity but now your only beauty is in your children the pain from giving them life the only resistance from holding that knife the mortality of your beauty yet beauty itself goes on for infinity i won't ask who you wrote this about but i think i've tried to capture entropy or the consistent consistent decay of life through eternal time and how the person changes perspectives change but something is always constant that's a that's a very interesting uh, poem sam why did you write that i don't know <laughs> it just popped up so i wanted to write it i mean i was inspired by one of william shakespeare's poems i don't have the book right now to read it out but it talks about uh, how uh, uh somebody's beauty is worn out by old age but it is carried on by their children because of inheritance so i just i combine that with my thoughts and put it up there mm-hmm. uh, good good it's a nice poem i think you have an inventory of poems that you're supposed to read in one of our next meetups okay so let's try to have one sometime i think monday or tuesday we'll plan something i think on the holy day there's a holy but no when it is let's see what else what is what is your thought process when you're actually trying to understand a poem like how do you try to understand a poem that is not yours uh so i think it's a good uh good question let, let me just read a couple of lines from pablo neruda neruda was a is probably the most famous poet of our times he was from the 20th century but he continues to be very relevant and he was a chilean poet and we could only read him in translation but even in translation the poems were very brilliant because of his uh, amazing gift to lend life to romance and love Uh, through exquisite imagery so if you were to read it something like uh, let's say i do not love you except because i love you i go on from loving to not loving you from waiting to not waiting for you my heart moves from cold to fire i'll uh, just a expert uh, excerpt from one of his poems 
now when you read this um two things come together one you will have to allow a poet to be himself it means a poet has a right to his style of craft i cannot extrapolate it and i'll ask it to be akin to or similar to somebody else's or so you read a mary angelou you can't say that why does she not write like neruda or a neruda why does he not write like a yeats so you have to allow each poet his or her craft allow each poet his or her voice so that acceptance of you know the the importance or the oneness of the poet with his thought and his craft is the first step to establish a respectful relationship with the poet a lot of times our mind clouds us you know our mind forces us to look for something that is not there in a poet and then we get disenchanted that's being very unfair to us and to the poet so the moment you allow it to be what it is and then the next step is to allow a creative separation between the art and the creator it means if you know me and you read my poems you should not my your knowledge of me should not cloud your judgment of my poems so my knowledge of pablo neruda as a you know a diplomat if it were to cloud my judgment of his poems i would entirely lose out his poems or lose out neruda so the first step as i said is allow the poet and the work to be what it is independent of you second is distinctly separate the poet and the poem and then engage with it just like in life you meet thousands of people in your life but you choose to engage with few and hold on to some that's how poetry is you would read thousands of poets you read tens of thousands of poems the ones that talks to you you engage with them you explore that that poet or that more kind of similar poems and keep some they will fundamentally transform you don't worry about the others they don't talk to you just like people don't talk to you and not everybody connects with you right so we'll have to understand this from a very real life point of view and just allow it to be what it is um, that's my that's my thought on this okay so uh, what are your thoughts on silvia plath's works well, she was a landmark i think from her times and i think she continues to remain very relevant even today though the current generation i think your generation would have less access to her because of probably only i think people who are students in english would uh, have more access to silvia plath otherwise uh, she is not fairly celebrated in this decade but earlier let me just take out something from her uh, but when i was a student of literature excuse me when i was a student of literature it was matlab uh, she she was somebody who was out of her time you know she was a lady poet of 
uh, of the nature that of the kind of writings you write was very different um, so that, that was something that we absolutely uh, relished reading of poems and all and her imagery was very uh, mythological religious but very kafkaesque at some point of time so we used to absolutely love her poems um, what was the word you used kafka is um so franz kafka was uh, a, a writer whose genre of writing led to this word called kafkaesque so he wrote about nazi germany and uh, you know, used to bring in overwhelming darkness and potential life threatening moments into his everyday right life he he could write about absurdly difficult and dark stuff in an easy manner and uh, to tell to tell what is it called the dictatorship authoritarianism uh, what it does to the human condition what it does to a free soul all those things he had uh, written so that entire genre and that feeling today is called you know kafkaesque okay so um, i think plath had this ability to do something similar in her poems um, so i still remember re- reading one about it i don't remember the poem now it was like too many years ago but let me read something from one of her famous poems tulips so just a small excerpt i'm reading excerpt i'm reading my body is a pebble to them they tend it as water tends to the pebbles it must run over smoothing them gently it's like who writes like this you know like my body is a pebble to them they tend it as water tends to the pebbles as water tends to the pebbles it must run over smoothing them gently they bring me numbness in their bright needles they bring me sleep now i have lost myself i'm sick of baggage my patent leather overnight case like a black pill box my husband and child smiling out of the family photo their smiles catch on to my skin little smiling hooks hey it's like these are impossible images of somebody who is ailing and looking at life moving out of her and feeling all those feelings so that was silvia plath for you uh, i hope i have been able to answer that thank you rajesh that was wonderful talking to you and i would like to know uh, i and the audience would like to know where to access your work um yeah thank you sneha thank you really um, i hope um, i could connect with the audience in a manner in which they would be encouraged to explore a lot of poetry and poets um for accessing my works they can go to worksofrk.com which is w o r k s for works dot uh, works of rk w o r k s o f r dot com and they will get access to uh, my blog there with a lot of poems and some other writings um a set of poems that i might have published earlier are not available on the blog but someday i'll publish it there 
a large body of my work is available. They can read. And those who are interested and in Hyderabad or anywhere in the world can also join the Twin City Poetry Club by searching for us on meetup.com and join us. Um, we plan to do physical events anytime soon now because we have come across and survived the third wave of pandemic. But we've been doing a lot of virtual shows anywhere in the world. We've got people who log in from the US, all shows. Uh, we also had people logging in from Portugal. So uh, absolutely welcome everybody. Uh, be a part of this tribe and we would love to have you. Thank you, Sunil, for doing this.